All right, folks, we are back on the Golf Friends podcast. Matt and Troy are in a dark cabin like Aaron Rodgers on a retreat together. Um, no further questions at this time. Um, Troy has said after going over five in his bets, he needs some time away right now. And Matt uh, needs some time or else he'll kill him. Um, so I brought in some backup this week, um, a familiar voice. The duo is back together. The band's back together for one one show reunion tour. Scott McLeod, formerly of uh, the flanks or of the flagstick <laughs> podcast, but uh, former T Talk co host with me, Scotty. How are you today? 151 episodes. Still hard to believe we did it for that long, but uh, thanks for having me on. It's it's, uh, it's good to see you in new environment, but you know, same old talk, right? Yeah, 151 plus plus one reunion tour, right? So uh, hey, yes, that's all that that's all that matters. Yeah, how how you been though? Tell me, uh, been, tell me about things. Yeah, no no complaints at all. Obviously, uh, you know this time of year getting really busy, uh, getting ready for the golf season. But I don't think things have really stopped. A um, little bit of travel of late, so managed to get outside and play some golf too. So that's a, a good part of it. But otherwise, pretty good. No, no complaints at all. Um, like I said, just just getting ready for the. The whirlwind that is the golf season from both the media and coaching side. Yeah, I mean, let's just, you kind of brushed over it, but you were just down in Texas. Um, Canadian pro Noah Steele is getting married, and and that's cool. But we, I, I just want to know about Blue Jack <laughs> National. Uh, <laughs> of course. experience there. We'll move yeah. on from Noah. He can get his own time later. Yeah, forget him. Yeah, yeah it was incredible. Uh, Jay Randall, uh, his son Jack Randall, played with uh, Noah at Sam Houston. Uh, and uh, Jack's still there. He's the uh, he's the senior now, but his dad Jay is a member at at uh, Blue Jack. Uh, and invited us out to play the uh, the wedding party, uh, which wasn't a bad group as far as playing ability wise. Um, and uh, it, it's just a it, it's as much of a treat as I thought it would be. You know, it, it's sort of a, a playground, and I won't say just a playground for the rich, although it's you know obviously <laughs> there's a, a bit of a tariff to get in there. Um, just a very casual environment, one that you would really love. And the fact that, um, you know what, once you get beyond the gates, you know, you could probably wear jeans and nobody would blink an eye. There's kids. Well, that's Tiger's way, right? Wasn't right. that the old pictures of him designing yeah. in those terrible jeans? <laughs> yeah, the mom jeans. He's yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're actually, I think I posted a picture of the... Um, of the, one of the halfway shacks, one of the, the snack bars and the photo up above is tiger in jeans, walking the property. Um, yeah, very laid back, very casual, uh, golf course, 7,500 yards. If you want to play back from the tiger tees, um, but you can hit it pretty much anywhere off the tee with the exception of maybe a couple holes where water comes into play. Great short course, 10 holes. It's called the playgrounds. And literally it was like the playgrounds because it starts up near where the pro shop is right now. They haven't built a full clubhouse there yet. And on the first hole, we had kids rolling glow balls down the side of the hill, rolling down the hill, playing around in the bunkers. It was just how you would expect it to be. And there was also kids that were like, you know, four kids that were probably under eight. They come wandering out of a cottage and they just run over to a green and just start playing around and nobody blinks an eye. Nobody gets upset. Um, just again, it's just a, a really cool environment. A lot of different elements to it, but uh, certainly uh, appreciative that I actually got out there to play. And if I got an invite back, yes, I'd be there in a hurry. Yeah. So, I mean, just so people catch people up, what what exactly is Blue Jack National for anyone that isn't yeah. aware? So it's a it's a private club in uh, Montgomery, Texas. So about uh, forty minutes uh, north of Houston. Um, started as a, a development twenty plus years ago by a, a single uh, developer, private privately owned. Uh, he didn't quite make it go, and then uh, basically uh, Tiger Woods was brought in by another group, another ownership group, who decided to take this several hundred acres. I believe they have about nine hundred acres and turn it into a, a retreat for them. And it's mostly cottages that are there, although there are some properties that probably look more like a uh, you know estates more than anything. Um, but it it really is a getaway golf course for a lot of these people. For some of them, it's their you know their second or the third membership. Um, they have everything from, like I said, the golf courses to, um, the, the most outstanding thing is an area called the fort where they have a lot of sports games and things. And one of the things they have there is a replica of Fenway park, including the green monster and all, but for wiffle ball. <laughs> so it's just, it's just everything that you could possibly imagine. Um, but in this, you know, cool private club environment. So, but not, not your stuffy country club. Definitely not. 
Yeah, I wish we had anything like that in Canada. It's it's at least there's nothing that I know of near us. Not, no, not, I haven't I haven't seen stuff. anything like that. And, uh, and I had to put it, you know, I had a couple people ask me about it and said, you know, where do you put it as far as experiences? And I, I would say it's sort of unrivaled. Uh, it's hard to sit there and and put it in a ranking. Yeah, I, like I it's hard. Really How do you like compare to do that? that to like you know drinking a beer on the seventeenth hole at St Andrews? Like they're, right. they're exactly totally they're two awesome. different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I always like to think of golf is like a, it's like golf is like a, a just a blank canvas. You know, there could be lots of different permutations on that canvas, and they still are are wonderful. So it's hard to compare to, but I, I would definitely say as far as uh, one of the top experiences that I've had in forty plus years around golf, definitely, definitely a one of the, one of the best. How many experiences do you have with the WGC? Because uh, oh, those are coming to an end. Uh, what a transition. Uh. Yeah, the last <laughs> ever WGC event uh, with Sam Burns winning the match play. When you think yeah. back to the last, what was it, 24 years of the WGC, mm. what, are you, what are you really going to remember? Uh, Tiger winning in the dark. <laughs> yeah. That's obviously one that you remember as far as Akron. Um the guys going to Mexico and hitting it a million miles, even though the golf course was like super narrow. Those are really the big things that stand out. There's a lot of other things that just seemed, you know, really corporate, a little forced about the WGCs, like trying yeah. to make them really important when, you know, the only importance really was the money that was there more than anything, which much, you know, maybe like the designated events are going to be a little bit. Um, you, you can't just buy history, even though you try to. And I think I know where you're going to go with this because it's not the WGC I'm missing that, that's going to happen. It, it's getting to that match play. And the fact that the match play is currently looks like it's going to disappear from the PGA Tour. Yeah, we'll get to the match play sec because I go back and forth on that. But I, I agree with you on how you can't create history. I think the only thing that the dedicated events have that the WGC doesn't is a lot of these events, and I think they're doing it the right way, are are made on events that have already existed, like right, Phoenix, true. Yeah, exactly. like Riviera. Yeah, yeah. So we you have that history. I think the no laying ups guys said something like the the finals this week could have been or could have been two guys on lift. Like those are two guys that were very yeah. highly subjected to go to live. Um yeah. and and but the kind of the event kind of felt like that in the end that it was just kind of like a meaningless thing in the end. Um, and that's kind of been always the issue with the the match play tournament is like I, once I, you go I, to finals, it's kind of a dud always. I, I guess, but I think the problem is is I, I think people have this expectation or this preconceived notion of what a good tournament is, and that if they don't have the players that they want in particular, then it's worthless. Yeah. But you know, and, and we can sit there and say that now, but I mean, look at the record already of what Sam Burns has done. You know, he's now within, you know, and I, I won't use money as always the the equation. But, you know, he's got five wins. He's within 100,000 of have, winning 20 million already in his career. Like 26. Is, yes. Yeah. He's yeah. He's 26. So but the thing is, is that Cam, this could be the start of, an, you know, it's another chapter for what Sam Burns is putting into his career already at his age. Um, you know, Cam Young, you know, does he become a, a bigger star or whatever? So, yeah, it's great that, you know, we go back and we want to have the you know, the Jack Nicholas and Tom Watson's or whatever, but Jack Nicholas and Tom Watson weren't who they were, you know, before they were actually winning anything. So, um, yeah, I, I saw a lot of people were obviously disappointed by, Oh, okay. We're, we've got the consolation final, but this is the players that we want. Well, guess what? It's still as good of a final as you can have. Unfortunately, Sam Burns, you know, took a walk <laughs> over, over top of Cam Young. So, um, Good and bad. I know they were done an hour before their TV window was over, but which is goes back to the whole corporate issue of right the, of the event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 again, that's what sponsors kind of worry about because then what are they going to do as far as the TV schedule and filling that time? Um, what are they going to do is from a rating standpoint if they don't get the players that they want in there or whatever? But I still feel that there's some sort of place uh, for match play uh, in in professional golf especially at the pga tour level uh let alone you know any other level it's just still an exciting form of golf that's fun to watch that just doesn't happen to fit into tv parameters and i totally agree with you and i want to get to that in one second i want to go back to sam burns really quickly and, and the 
question I ask of you is, is do you think Liv actually blurred the superstar that this guy really is? Like he had three wins last year. He already has a win this year. A lot of those wins last year came in with guys coming in and out and, and that whole year that I never want to live uh, through again because it was just <laughs> so annoying. Yeah, yeah. Well, in money, many ways, I guess. Do you think that like that's played a part? Because we, we talk about, you know, these aren't the two guys we wanted. But, you know, outside of that, obviously, um, Scotty won the Masters last year, but mm-hmm. like very similar years in terms of like mm-hmm. how good this guy was. Yeah, I mean, you can only beat the players that are there. So speculating, I guess, is is one thing. I mean, yeah, could the fields have been stronger if some of those players had left? Some of them, you know, based on the play that others have had this year, I, I don't think they would have. I think Sam Burns still would have whooped their butts. That wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been an issue that yeah. way. Um, you know, it's different as far as a person at the level of, say, a Cam Smith. But, you know, I don't think Charles Howell III, no disrespect intended, was going to, you know, put a scare into Sam Burns, whether he's winning on live or not. Um, so I think, yeah, maybe maybe some people will say, oh, OK, let's put an asterisk behind it. But they certainly should. There's no. just no way they shouldn't. Guys, the guy's unreal. It's nice to see him going in, um, playing well, going to the Masters should be a favorite which I think right now, just sidebar, Scotty Scheffler's the third betting favorite, which just yeah, which is so wild, stupid eh? to me. But yeah. <laughs> the money probably rolling in yeah, on Rory right, right now is probably yeah. just moving that those markets. I want to ask you a question for anybody that's new to Scott. You're probably not. He runs the Flagstick Twitter account, Instagram account. You've probably seen one of his. How many tweets do you think you've sent in your life? Uh, I'm, I am. I just looked the other day because I looked at the account. So... Let's just say for the flagstick account, which we started in 2008, we we're just under 72,000. I was going to I was going to go. I thought it would have been like a couple hundred thousand. I'm not going to oh, lie. No, no. OK, so it just 000. feels like that. 72,000. OK, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. So probably you yeah. know, roughly 100,000 tweets out there. Um, yeah. If you kind of add the your personal account sure. uh, onto yeah. that as well. Um, and the reason why I say this is is. If you're new to Scott, he's a golf encyclopedia. If you throw out a stat, a question, he knows the answer. So I want to ask you this question. Uh-oh. Who won the very first WGC event? The very first WGC event. Oh, um, wow. And I know it's going to be someone really obscure because uh, is it going to be like a Jody Mudd or something like that? <laughs> it's going to be. I know it's going to. I know it's not. You somebody. got the first letter right. Actually, you got okay. both right. You got the first letter of the first and last name right. Wow. Okay. Uh, JM in that era. No, you're going to have to. Jose, no. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Throw it at me. It's Jeff Megger picked oh, the first see? win go. in the match yeah. play event. Yeah. Tiger ended up picking the next a lot of yeah. them uh, from a there. Lot, a lot. Um, yeah, that's... But uh, that's an understatement. Yeah, they they that one that one threw me off. But I think the cool thing that the WGCs did do, and I think it was the goal originally of it, was the best names, the biggest names. Right. Every as you go through here, all the names of winners are names you're going to recognize. There's one name that I I don't recognize on here, and it's Craig Perry. I don't know who Craig Perry is. Aussie. Aussie. Is an Aussie exactly, but like yeah. outside of that, like you got and like maybe Nick Watney's not the biggest name, but there was a time where Nick Watney was at the top of every mm-hmm. leaderboard when in twenty eleven, sure. right? So yep. he actually had his time. But I think it, the goal of it was to have the best players playing in the big events and winning. And like if yeah. you look at the overall landscape of it, RIP yeah. to the WGC. I think yeah. they met that. That well, the the strategy was to allow um, other players outside of the regular just the PGA Tour to be there. It wanted to unite the world, and and they really did a great job. If you look at the players like a Nick O'Hearn, and you know these are players that sort of came in there, you know, from Australia, from Europe, and also that a lot of Americans were not used to seeing. Yeah, Aaron and Clark, was, right? Exactly, and, and they became household names because of the WGC. And you know what? There's an evolution in in golf. I mean, I was just looking through some stats today from you know, some tournaments in the 1930s. And if you looked at the score, what I mean, folks, <laughs> you would, you would laugh, you would laugh. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You would laugh when you see the scores, but again, you know, everything evolves and, and we can't expect it to stay the same. And for people, then the same thing, they expect, Oh, Rory's got to win or it's got to be Scheffler. You know what? Nobody was talking about Scheffler two years ago. 
You know, they were talking about him as an amateur, but they certainly weren't talking about him as a pro. But now they all of a sudden, you know, obviously, as you said, third third bat uh, for Augusta. But, you know, you see what he's done in the, in the last year. Things change. Things evolve. You know, uh, are they always for the better? No, that's not the case. But you know what? Next chapter, really. away. So how, how do we evolve a match play event in your eyes? How do we make mm. something like this come? I know it's not on the schedule next year. Rory hinted at it, I believe, after his round on Sunday and said... 2025 i want it back on the schedule so how in your eyes how do they make this work because i don't get the group play i've never understood the group play there's no the buckets of it never makes sense so like in your opinion what's the easiest way i mean the the group play was just the way to get some people guaranteed that they're there and they're not gone after one day that's really Mm -hmm. all that was about that way I, i think you have to go back and and look at competitions like they used to be if you look at the the PGA championship when it was back in, in match play originally, you, you look at events that actually have a 36 hole stroke play first. And then basically you get your top 16 out of like that. the USAM type of deal. Right, exactly. And then you get your top 16 and you go from there. But I think, you know, I think because it's such a unique format, you really obviously have to get sponsors on board that are willing to take the risk and willing to say, okay, you know what, if something doesn't happen and the matches go really quickly, um, I still think the 36 that they used for a time for the final was okay. But the problem was it did bring in the risk that all of a sudden if the match is over in 18, now you've got four hours to fill. So that that made it more difficult that way. Um, I'd, I'd still love to see the PGA Championship go to go back to match. Play. Yeah, um, it, it is certainly, you know, again, no disrespect to my fellow pros within the PGA of America and the fact that this is their championship, although obviously there's only a certain number of club pros that are playing in that championship. Um, It needs an identity. It needs an identity for most golf consumers and it doesn't have that identity right now. And, And really, I mean, I heard so many people even talking about during the players that, you know, for them, the players felt like a bigger tournament than the PGA championship. And I think that casual sort of, fan, it probably does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I think, you know, I think to, in order to make it uh, something of consequence, I'm not sure a regular event works. Um, otherwise, it just becomes the Zurich and it just becomes a little sideshow for which is cool. <laughs> But it becomes oh, you're, just you're talking about the ma- are you talking about the match player? Or are you comparing the PGA Championship to the Zurich? No, that's what I'm saying though. <laughs> no. Is that if, I'm, if a match play event yeah. was just a regular PGA Tour event, yes. I, I don't think it would, you know. Again, it would be the Corrales Putcana or the it no, just wouldn't okay. it just wouldn't have yeah. um it wouldn't have the impact. So in order to make it have the impact, it's better if it was a major, you know, and you'd go for there. I mean, it, and if it doesn't have a place there, then you know, again, they're they're trying to get away from off-season events or whatever, but there's still room for match play. I think there really is. It's a really unique way to look at it as as instead of wait, let the PGA tour do it. Hey, the PGA championship, you have something you could potentially grab onto and make your Mm-hmm. your major unique right because really yeah. it does just feel like another golf tournament um i don't know if you saw our, our old boy gary player was in the news today who ranked Uh-oh. the masters fourth on uh the oh boy. on the best majors so he did have the pga championship ahead of uh the masters Hmm, um, our old our old friend Gary. <laughs> yeah. If, if from, from, yeah. Go back and listen to that podcast from T Talks. So. Yeah, that was uh one of the weirdest days of my life. <laughs> that was you know, that's COVID in a nutshell. Like you look back to 2020 and, and all the weird things, and then it's like I, I talked to Gary Player for an hour. How yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And and you might get 15 minutes of that hour, I think, recorded. So you can fill in the blanks from there. Yeah. But I really like that approach that you're talking about with the PJ Championship. I think that's a really cool idea that they have a uh, an opportunity to take the bull by the horns instead mm-hmm. of just uh, continue being. And, and I think there's players that would be in favor of that. Um, not to you know name drop or anything, but having an interview a couple of weeks ago with Terrell Hatton, I, I happened to be at a, an Adidas event that uh, had a few different players and stuff there and um we didn't get deep into it or whatever but it it was obvious just from having some discussions with him that you know he had an affinity for and that would be growing up you know in england to have that affinity for match play and the love of the match play um and there's a lot of players that are over that's how they grow up you know i hate hate play i hate stroke play yeah it's so boring 
Yeah, it can be for sure. Yeah. yeah. It, the match play keeps things interesting. You're playing somebody, you're playing two people. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think there was a line that somebody said at some point from scholars, like we, we basically play stroke play once a month just so we can have real handicaps. Yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah. When they have to play a metal play weekend or whatever, but otherwise it's just all matches and, we, and yeah. we've, yeah, we've definitely talked about that before. And, and, and I think whether a match becomes a dead or not, that is the risk for sure. But if you look at it from the essence of a stroke play, we have other tournaments where just people step on the gas and blow it out. I mean, you look at Scotty's last win, all of a sudden he has a bunch of birdies in the middle and it's a non-contest by the end of the day on Sunday. Sure. So it, there is precedent for it. Um, just because we don't get the one-up match or the match that goes to three extra holes doesn't invalidate how good of a match it was. Yeah, I think just to wrap it up, I think what it comes down to is they just play too much in that week that by the time they get to the Sunday beat. and that championship, I'm sure Cameo was just dead, right? Yeah. Like as yeah. a caddy, I could not even imagine like back-to-back oh. 36 loops. I think it might be, no, just back-to-back 36 yeah. loops. But in Austin to... on a very hilly golf course too. Yeah, yeah. no, thank you. Do you no. get uh, do you get double pay? I don't know. I'll have to ask a, a caddy buddy if they get extra pay that week. But that's I think good, I know. The, that's I think I know question. the answer. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. The uh, the other reason we wanted to have you on, and we'll, we'll talk about the Masters later. We'll talk about the rollback maybe. But you know, coaching. You Ooh. obviously are uh, a very well established coach. But you got yeah. into coaching pretty late, right? Like, how old were you when you when you finally became a, a class A professional? When did you actually start doing? All I that? started. Um, I started my journey to. So I'm 53 now, and I started my journey to join the PGA uh, the second go around, uh, the the official go round uh, when I was 41. Uh, 43 when I played in, I had to do a couple years of education first to do that. So, uh, 11th year now, uh, as a, as a PGA member, but, uh, you know, I'd have been involved with coaching with, uh, other sports, uh, always been involved with volleyball. Uh, and I had spent some time as a non PGA, uh, coach for a little bit in the, in my early twenties, I had turned pro, um, just to more or less play in some events, because at that point you could go into an event and, you know, Canadian open qualifier, for an example, um, either you could declare yourself to be a professional, um, and then, you know, you could, you could play, uh, if you're handy, if you didn't have a handicap or whatever. Um, so I tried to play some, you know, tournaments and stuff like that, uh, did very little of that, but I always wanted to join the PGA. Um, so yeah, I was 41 when I, I finally bit the bullet and said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And uh, yeah, pretty happy for it. Yeah. And so you got the whole media thing and also the coaching thing. And it's it's awesome watching how passionate you are for it. And <laughs> you're you're one of the my experience when I first got in the game was the coaches I worked with never seemed to want to be there. They didn't seem like they were adapting with their craft. And and I'm not you know what I am. I am shitting on them for that because that's just yeah. terrible. But I know, every I know time what you, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Every time you and I meet, it's like even from a month prior you're you have a new tool and in, in, on the range or you got a new trick you're learning or you're like hey in a month from now i actually will be able to talk to you about this i'm just learning more mm-hmm. about biomechanics yeah. of your pinky finger or something insane <laughs> sure. yeah you're always looking looking for that edge what yeah. what causes that like where does this come from Ooh, i i know I mean, it's, I guess it's, it's always understanding that, you know, learning is a journey and that things again, always change. And I think Andrew Rice, uh, who's a renowned pro in the States, you know, I I like how he always says it. Um, You know, he'll mention something. He'll say, this is my opinion based on what I know now, because again, we discover and we learn new things all the time. And, And it's not to say that, you know, what you did previously was bad. What it means is that you worked with, what you had at the time, the best information, the best tools that you had at the time, and then you push forward. But you're always looking for more because there's always advancements that are happening. And I I think that came from probably some bad lessons, maybe when I was a junior where, uh, and I didn't take a lot of formal lessons when I was a junior, but I certainly had some help from people. But uh, one thing that I, I, I was always getting from people, and I could see this in coaching too, and other sports that I was playing, is that you would get a lot of advice that was just based on, you know, this is how it is. It was taught. 
But then, yeah, I, that's then how, I would, that's what yeah. I would have got back then. Yeah. yeah. And then I would ask the question, why? And then the coach couldn't explain it to me, which means they didn't really understand it. They were just sort of telling me it. Um, so it became sort of a quest to go, okay, what's the real reason behind this? And why is this actually happening? And, and knowing that things were, you know, had a lot more cause and effect to them than they actually were. It wasn't about, you know, pixie dust and, and throw your elbow over here and put your change in your left pocket. Um, there was too much of that. And there's too much of that in a lot of other sports. Um, so I like science-based stuff. I like fact-based stuff. And I'm always looking for more. And again, if you can find tools that make it easier to coach, because obviously every athlete is going to be different um, and different ways to approach a problem, and you're looking at just solving a problem that's here, then, you know, it's my responsibility as a coach to, to find that out. And so, yeah, that, that really started that endless loop of learning. So it's been 11 years of it officially in the PGA. How, how is the, how has coaching changed in golf in those 11 years? Like mm. how are, how are you able to adapt and in, in, in this new era? Um, I, I think one of the things right from the start is understanding that um, students are better educated now, mm. right? So what they bring in the door Sometimes it's still the same old things, you know, that they've heard wherever. Um, but in other cases, they've been listening to some quality information, but they want to know how it applies to them. Uh, so I think the, the biggest thing is that you have to stay ahead of your students or you have to actually, you know, be honest, which is, you know, what I've always tried to be and said, you know what, if I don't know it, I'll find out, you know, and if my go, my job as a coach is I can't know everything. So you know, it's only fair. If you have a question, I have to be able to say, sorry, I'm not quite sure, but let me find out about that and I'll get back to you. Um, I would say the biggest thing obviously is the change in uh, media, like every, like everything else. Obviously there's a lot of coaches that maybe they're trying to raise their profile. Right. And that's no different. That's happened for many and years. You're like because... referring into like social media coaches. Yeah. And things so if we look, yeah. So if we look at, you know, 30 years ago when the golf channel was coming along, um, you know, there's value as far as driving your brand, but there was very few places to drive your brand at that point. Some people had, you know, golf schools and things like that. And obviously if they're known, there's a higher value and you can charge more. Um, you know, with the advent of things like the golf channel, a lot of coaches and stuff would get on there and, you know, kind of drive their name up and that brought the value. Did it mean they were better coaches? Not necessarily, but they were perceived as being that way. So they could charge more. Um, I, I think the problem is, is that sometimes uh, people begin to blur the lines and, and not realize and understand that, you know, you're better to make your students better and gain your reputation that way rather than just telling everyone that you're better and then having people come and maybe have a disappointing experience. So it's just about that delivery and understanding that whatever expectation that you set, you better be able to live up to that. Um, but I think that that social media side of it has really been a piece that's, you know, it's an opportunity, but it can also be, you know, a downfall as well in some cases. Has it been intentional on your part? not to be a social mm. media coach because you are so social media oriented on, on the media side of things, yeah. but has it been an intentional choice not to do more on there? Um, yeah, actually it has. And, and, and there's a couple of reasons for it. Um, one, I have a high respect for the privacy of my clients. Um, it's their I appreciate time. that. I, I really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, me sharing some of those, and that's fine. Occasionally, you'll share some stuff when you know a player's done well, or or they're they share it, and you're just mm -hmm. you know lending a comment to it. Um, but I'm not the first to run to social media to do it. And again, that's that's a person's choice, whatever they want. Um, but I feel like my time with them and the, what they've invested with me is part of my responsibility, just to to keep that among us, we, you know, and for ones that are out there and not getting permission from their students to post stuff, that's a no, no. And that's actually in our PGA bylaws now, as far as from a permission right. standpoint. Um, and the other side of it too, is that the difficult part with uh, some aspects of social media is that there's just not the depth that's there that's available. So you only get a partial story. 
So if all of a sudden you sit there and put a little golf tip online, you can put some things online that are maybe educational. And that's what I believe in as far as golf education, not just lessons. But the issue is, is that if a person goes online and they only get part of the story, you know, they get enough information to be dangerous and it may not help them and it may not apply to them. And that's what I get worried about is contributing to that, you know, massive information that's out there that is more or less just confusing people or making people worse than making it better. And I would rather be focused on the people that come in front of me and that I see and make them better. Um, but I also get the understanding as far as people trying to grow their brand and maybe they're doing online coaching. Uh, maybe they're doing things at a deeper personal level. Uh, and they're just doing that aspect of it as far as the smaller social media pieces just to drive the interest in, in maybe their other products. You you mentioned like a lot of people are seeing these things online, seeing coaching online, which isn't a bad thing, as you've highlighted. It, it can be a good thing. Sure. What advice would you give somebody that sees something online that thinks, hey, this is actually going to work for mm. me or this is this is my fix? What advice would you give them yeah. based around that? I would say that, you know, and I don't discourage my students from going on social media. What I do discourage them from is just doing something automatically without putting some thought into it. So I get to be the expert. I get to act as a filter to sit there and say, hey, we're on a path. We're going to do this. They might bring something to me, which is fine, but it's my job to be that filter and explain what it is, why it applies to them or doesn't apply to them, see if it's appropriate, and we can go from there. So I would say for a lot of people that are looking online, find an expert in your life that you can filter that stuff through because, you know, it's no different than medical information. If you just want to run down the rabbit hole of WebMD, you, you're you going to have, have cancer. You'll have, <laughs> like you'll, you'll have everything. Every time. Every yeah, time. It, yeah. That's exactly it. So yeah. I, I would just, you know, find an expert be willing to invest with that expert. And the thing is, is that, you know, if you can find that path, that path's going to be a lot shorter. I guarantee you. The one where you're just chasing everything online, looking for hope, it's the same as buying golf equipment, just, just that endless loop. You will spin and spin and spin and you'll come back to things. And you might've gone around the one thing that could really, really help, help you. And hey, I've gone and pointed out videos to students and said, hey, we're going to work on this you know what, so-and-so has done a really clear video on this. Here, here's the link to it or whatever. Maybe this will clarify it for you. Ever. So that's my job is one, not to have the ego that I know everything and not to say that I have the ability to, you know, put together the most clear, you know, clarified video on that particular element, but to guide those students to be their coach and not just an instructor and to be their coach and, and to guide them to the, the place they need to go. And like I said, be able to disseminate that information if they need it. I know you said you don't like to put your students on, on social media. Um, mm -hmm. And we're going to make you, we're going to turn you into an online swing guru for a moment. Oh boy. So <laughs> am, uh, I, am I looking at your swing? Cause I've seen a lot. <laughs> you, you aren't looking at my swing. Um, right. What you are looking at is... Um, it's not Matt's swing, because I've Matt's, seen that one too. It is Matt's swing. Oh, it is swing. Matt. So this was okay. from uh, tonight. Let's see if I can right. share my screen here. So we should be clear, though. I did give Matt a lesson. Was that last year in the start of the spring or the year before? Uh, it was... Um, I think the summer of 2021. Yeah. Um, um, hold on, I got to figure out a way to. I'm gonna I'm gonna email it to you. We'll we'll make sure we we get it up on the on the website. Sure. For everybody to see it. I was gonna share my screen. It's don't not tell working. me this is a joke swing or something. No, this is a real okay. swing from tonight. Uh, okay. I'm gonna from send tonight. it over from okay. tonight. Matt's at the at the simulator. He knew you were coming on here. Oh, wait, no, he's in the he's in the dark. Uh, he got he got a, a break from the from the darkness uh, retreat okay. he's on or right. whatever. So he he was able to go to the simulator. I, I just sent it over to you. Um, All right, I'm just waiting for my email. Yeah, so uh, I want you to open that one up. It's a it's a driver swing. Matt's been struggling with the driver a little bit. Okay. He said, um, which is it's the middle of winter, so I don't know. But just to <laughs> clarify, for a little bit of history. So Matt came to Scott, and yeah, I would say early 2021, maybe yeah, maybe mid 2020, yeah, somewhere in there. Um, at the time, I think he was like a 10 handicap. Um, yeah. Scott gave him a lesson. It was an hour. Um, I 
Matt didn't even pay for it. I think I paid for it in wine <laughs> right. or something. Like I, I think I had bottles of wine <laughs> or something I gave you for it. Yeah. From there, oh. you you brought him down to like a three handicap. Yeah. Um, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, um, at, at one point. So Matt owes you the world basically with his golf game. <laughs> but okay. uh, again, we'll post up the swing. Yeah, um, it'll be right beside us, and 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 whatever reel we add this to, I'm sure our, our social media guy, also Matt, will figure this out. <laughs> uh, so I want you to look through what what are you seeing here in this okay. swing, Scott? So one of the things we see, I mean, if you look at his swing as he works his way to the top or it gets to the top, if you look at a position, yeah. it, it looks good. But the problem is, is it's how he gets it there. So if I look at his takeaway and how he works the club away. So he gets the depth in his swing by getting his hands in behind him fairly quickly. So as you'll see, his lead arm gets up against his chest really early. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then he gets a little bit more rotation with his upper body. So what I like to see him. So uh, unfortunately for him, it gets stuck a little bit behind him. And then he tries to bring yeah, it like the club head looks a little behind, like right. get it a little inside, a little behind yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. So he ends up with that elbow a little bit tucked against him there. And then as a result of it, he's got to work the club back out around his torso. So what he tends to do then is he kind of delivers it a little bit over the top, pulls the club down and in unfortunately, when he pulls the club down that way, it has an it sometimes get our, our club face oriented improperly. But I would say the biggest I think he's thing dealing a little bit of a two way miss right now. Oh, yeah. Sad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay, so this makes sense. Yeah. So he's definitely going to end up sometimes with a face that's working its way open, but also a path that's working more outward than normal. Yeah. Um, so he get, gets a lot of different things going on. But I'd say the biggest thing for him is you know, to deal with it in his, in his takeaway. I mean, takeaways are going to take three times as long as his downswing and, you know, trying to, trying to fix this in the quarter of a second of a downswing is going to be pretty hard to do. So I, I'd like to see Matt when he works his way back, uh, not to try to duck his hands behind him as early as possible. Just try to get that torso moving a little sooner in sync with his arms so that he ends up with his arms a little bit better oriented and in a position that he can then work them down without trying to work the club out as well. So sounds uh, like Matt that... needs to get a, a, in the car and drive yeah. over to the garage, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Scotty, and, and see for a, a lesson uh... here. Um, yeah, we need, we definitely need him back. It's been almost two years, so I think, yeah, we need, I think a it's a tweak. And, and don't do too much because, like, I want to beat it. Like, I used to beat this guy every time. Every time he played, it would be about. Now it's like it's so hard, and he only plays at his home course. He refuses to play elsewhere. One of those guys, and, uh, Homer. Yeah, he's very much a Homer. Um, this is the swing. We are. I would show you Troy's swing, but. We, we, we'll run out of time right now uh we'll 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 make sure that will be a project we'll make All sure right, you and troy enough. get together and chat about pei if you saw his master's menu very pei or yeah what's the deal with that has he got an affiliation with the island in some way i don't know but i do know this last year he and i played, did see that menu last yeah. year he played every single golf course on the island of PI. that's right yeah that's right i was i i was messaging with him yeah, so right. okay. I think he just yeah, loves yeah, yeah. PEI. I don't know if he right. has a uh, if he's family out there or not, but he's played every single golf course in out there last year. So that's yeah, I, I I saw that. I remember his journey because he messaged me a few times when he was trying to find some different ones and stuff like that. So yeah, that just uh, reminded me of that. So okay, cool, pretty cool. But thank you for breaking that down. Um, we we appreciate it. My swing's perfect because. Hey, it's getting a down. lot better. That's <laughs> it's for getting sure. better. You, you were putting better. a lot of work into it. So looking forward to catching you when the season starts. I was. So I actually went to a couple weeks ago. I hadn't seen you in a week or so. I, I probably hadn't hit a ball in three weeks. And I went to a, uh, like a, a simulator somewhere. And the first 40 minutes or first 40 shots, I would say 10 of them were shanks. And then after that, <laughs> everything was good. I was like, oh, okay, let's go. Let's take a deep breath. Let's figure it out. But uh it's been great since feeling good, feeling really excited going into the cool. season. Swing Love feels it. way better. I can't wait. I want to know something for, from you though, the the golf ball and the, the yeah. potential rollback. Uh, and, yes. Oh, we're talking about it at the pro level. And that is right now what it's being proposed yeah. for. Let's say it does go for everybody. Mm -hmm. How do you think that's going to change the way you coach? Is it going to change the way you need to coach? Is it a mental thing? How, how have you thought about that? Or even, has it even given, have you even given any space? 
No, I haven't, I haven't thought about it too much as far as it happening for everyone. I mean, that's obviously not part of the proposal as it is right now. So I, I haven't kind of brought that that into my brain. I, I brought it into my brain from the, the aspect of what's going to happen for the elite player. Yeah, well, we you, teach, you teach some pros. so Right, like, exactly. You know. So, you know, it, it's it's definitely a discussion among the college players, the players that are about to turn pro. And how that would affect them, you know, when does when does the transition take place? When do they start, you know, are they already playing that elite ball in college? Or, you know, or is it just for certain players as they make the transition? Um, obviously, the discussion about, you know, the cost of it. I mean, generally, when you get up to the players that are, you know, playing college or, or minor pro or whatever, um, you know, they're affiliated with a company. And mm-hmm. those golf balls are, are, you know, usually provided to them free as part of a sponsorship, you know, um, and, you know, who's going to be paying for that? I mean, is it going to be you, Joe Consumer, that all of a sudden your golf ball prices go up? Which um, I don't know if you've seen golf ball prices these days. Yes, exa- exactly. Launched. So, yeah. yeah. And I and I think back to I, I still remember when the, the last group controversy came into play. And I remember a conversation with Roger Cleveland specifically. And I remember sitting on on the phone and talking about it. And he's like, man, this is not going to change anything. It's just going to add more cost to what we're doing right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I give it a fair bit of thought. I also look at it and going, OK, you know do we need a rollback or do we need to just set the bar right now? Because really, if you look at the proposal as the way it is, you know, they've set obviously a certain standard to test the golf ball a certain way. And they're basically proposing that they up that standard. So they tested at a much higher speed. Well, speed is a skill, you know, so who are you hampering? I mean, are you hampering the the person who's worked really hard to get faster? It's not like they're all of a sudden to start to swing slower. They're going to swing how they swing. So if the proposal is just to bring everyone back, I don't think that changes how you coach. Um, It just becomes the same thing where you're still trying to get more distance. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that we're not trying to achieve more distance with some of my players uh, currently. And you're doing that by the case of, you know, equipment, uh, you know, impact parameters as far as how they're launching the golf ball or whatever. We see all those different things. And we don't necessarily have players right now that are trying to be, the longest possible right they're still trying to be long but they're also trying to put the golf ball on the planet so that it's playable um i've seen players that have just tried to go all out and just try to gain speed and i've also watched those same players going the top of one tour and all of a sudden the bottom of the next tour um could other players right now gain more speed yeah they could but it, it, it would be at a detriment for what they're doing from a game standpoint so i think in some ways the game is already self-regulating in that way. So um, would I be in favor of something that, that would just put a pause right now on the ability to get faster? Yeah, that's probably a better proposal than all of a sudden just to do a rollback. How would that work? Uh, what, just not just stopping it? Yeah, like how, how would that work in that sense? Is it just, just this is use, the furthest the golf ball can go? Yeah, right so now? this is your distance standard that you have now. You have a testing process that you do now. Um, you know, stick to that process. If, if you're if you're at your limit, that's fine. Because really what they're talking about is not limiting it so much now. They're talking about limiting it for the future. Mm-hmm. But again, they're also talking about limiting the future for 0.0001% of the game. Um, you know, uh, 99% of the golf courses that we play are not going out to chase, you know, they're not going out to chase more property to, to add tee boxes that's not really the case and you know on the other side of it too if we start to look at golf courses and the conditioning and what they are i mean blue jack national it was 7500 yards i could have played from those tees i played from 7000 and i can tell you i hit a couple of drives that you know carried their usual 290 that i would get but then rolled did you heal them at 290 don't yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. don't but undersell that, yourself but, but then that. rolled like 80 yards because yeah. the fairways were stimping at 10 yeah. you know way different than what you'd find up here um so i think you know conditioning will you know change things it doesn't make it you know once we get around the greens it doesn't mean your scoring is necessarily better yes it brings you closer too so it increases your probability of getting the ball close but i, I think i think if they just you know set the rules where they're at stay there that's perfectly fine then you don't have to change a lot of other things and again 
you know what? You don't want to have to all of a sudden, I mean, do we really want to hear some guy who's a two handicap say he hits it way better than the guy on tour just because they're playing a different ball, you know? And, and that's you know, my, that's what my argument was, is I want, I, whatever we do, I, I want it to be the same. And I, right, I kind of exactly. argued that in yeah. the blog I wrote is, is that's one of the unique things golf can do. Now right. everyone's like, what you do is nothing like them. I, I'm no, oh. I'm not an idiot, but like, it's, yeah. it's a cool thing that it's a perception thought, of it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I've said, you know, the, the argument I made was, you know, you can go that shot at Glen Abbey, mm-hmm. everyone else's hit a tiger yeah. hit, and you can try it with your six iron. That would have yeah. been like his three iron, but you know, it doesn't really matter. You, yeah. But you can try it and tell yourself that. So whatever they do, I want it to be the same for that mm. issue. The only other argument I had of rolling it back for everyone is now your your home course technically has a new set of tees that you didn't think it had, right? But nobody will actually probably like no one's going to willingly move up. Probably that's still an issue, but like that's kind of a cool idea in, in my eyes. Does it make oh. golf easier though? I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of cases. I mean, uh, you know the. The, my home course where I play at probably 60% of the players now play up, you know, yeah. they play in a green tees, you know, wisely because now they're realizing, Oh, I enjoy the game here. Um, I've been to so many golf courses that have, you know, they put in back tees for the perception that, you know, from a marketing standpoint, they need to be longer on the fact that there's going to be more players playing back there. And generally there's not a divot or a broken tee back there. Um, they're basically more a tea block. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's happened too. Yeah. where they have a tea and you're like, going, why, why bother? Nobody, I mean, nobody's going to use them anyway. So again, there's a little bit of self-regulation. I get a lot of the arguments, you know, and there's a lot of smart people that are looking at it. People have to also understand that, you know, we're in a, we're in a consultation period right now where they're hearing that feedback and, you know, so it's not set like it's going to happen. Right. Uh, I think that's the perception of, yeah, it's going to happen. What they're doing right now is going, here's a possibility of a one way we could deal with it. And then, you know, what does everybody think? Right. What are your thoughts on, let's say they, the USGN RNA come out and say, this is our proposal. We're, we're doing this. Right. Mm. What happens if the PGA tour and say the NCAA and the LPGA Mm -hmm. tour, they say, no, do now we, have they just became what I, the argument I brought up last week, are they just now the, the new official world golf rankings and that nobody cares about them anymore or what? Well, no, that... I mean that, I think that's why it's proposed the way it is. And the fact that it's, it's a modified local rule. So it's yeah. basically giving them the option to do it. And that's sort of a fail safe for those organizations. So that if some group decides not to do it, they don't look bad. It's just their decision not to do it. It's no different than the, you know, the out of bounds rule where, uh, you know, a local rule, a club can, you know, put in that local rule or a tournament where all of a sudden, you know, internal out of bounds or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, they hit it out of bounds. And instead of playing, you know, the third off the tee, they can play the fourth from, you know, up by the out of bounds. So, um, did we see a lot of places adopt that? No, not really. Um, but it's it's a local rule and it's an option for that local rule. But you're right; it, it makes them look a little um, a little weak if maybe they they don't if nobody decides to go with it. That it just becomes a red herring that's just kind of sitting there. But again, maybe it's and then something we see it twice a year. Like imagine yeah. they do that though, and then now twice a year it's like the U.S. Open and the Open Championship. They are the only Play times that this rule comes in. I, I don't, yeah. that's why but I they, just don't then, see that becomes, yeah, and that's where it becomes an issue is because yeah. then how do people prepare for that? All of a sudden they have to, you know, use different clubs. I mean, you, you also have to look at the performance of that golf ball. You know, the longest players are still going to be the longest. I get it. Um, but I mean, if all of a sudden you have to, you know, if you're a great player and all of a sudden you're playing the U.S. Open and a U.S. Open, which you consider is an open championship. So as is the open championship. So mm. it can anybody at a certain level go in there and all of a sudden they're neutered by this, you know, modified golf ball. It's like relearning a different game. I mean, if I gave you a Titleist tour Bellata 100 and said, go out and play right now, I guarantee it will look way different than the game yeah. that you're used to. And it would take a while to adapt to that. Um, and it's not a case of one round or two rounds. You'd need a lot of practice to get a feel for that from a short mm-hmm. game perspective, you know, long irons, short irons, because all those different things fly differently based on a lot of other different factors. It's not like it's, it's 
the same all the way across the board. So it, it is a very complicated matter. Obviously, Twitter is trying to decide it. I can't decide <laughs> it. You can't decide it. Um, but in the end, it's got to be for the betterment of the majority of the people playing the game. And the other side of it, and I don't know if you saw that tweet, but I was talking to somebody about the rollback and rules in general. And they basically said, hey, you know what? Me and my buddies, we set the rules within our group. We set the handicaps within our group and we play golf. That's everything that's said by anybody else has no relevance to their world. It's so true. Me and my buddies, and you know this for years, we've never played like OB's always like I'm never watching a buddy hit three off the tee. Sure. It's like we don't care. Go yep. over there. That's where it went. Pretend it's red stake, drop, hit three. Yeah. Who cares? Right? You're making up yep. your own rules anyway. And I, I agree with you 100 percent I don't want the rollback to happen. I think the only reason I argued for it was in the sense of if we're doing it, I want it all to be doing it mm. and, yeah. versus none. And based on yeah. that, that unique, I, I could see that too. Yeah, I could yeah. see that too. The the it's funny because it's it's all about the golf course, and that's like the land, yada yada yada. And realistically, like they talk about it, it really feels like it's all about one golf course. Like, mm. and they're talking about the old course. It'd be like it took yeah. six hours to play last year. All these holes were drivable par fours, yada yada yada. The but I, I made that argument, same thing. The difference in 22 years has been two strokes. Like yeah. Nick Faldo did it back then in a different so it doesn't it doesn't need to happen. Change it. They're like, oh well, they have T blocks out of bounds. You make what's out of bounds or inbounds. You choose right. that. Move yeah. those little white sticks. Well, like. here's the here's the thing. <laughs> if if you are not um if you're not so cognizant about protecting your golf course. You just leave it at the length and I'm guaranteed if you're playing it from 7,000 versus 7,400, um, the weather dictates more than the yardage Yeah. anyways. So if you played and it from 7,000, yeah. yeah, if you had a terrible weather year, scoring's going to be high, you know, it, but yeah, so there's, there's so, it's so complicated and there's so many factors and I, I don't know what they're trying to protect. That's the other side of it. The it's feelings, the feelings of grass. That's yes. you know golf. The golf course doesn't have feelings. I know you've heard me yeah. say that 151 yeah. times. But uh, the other course that they talk about is the Masters and moving mm -hmm. all these tee blocks. And we're going to be seeing some of these new tee yeah. blocks. Most importantly, the one on 13, 13. this year. Yeah, you excited for the Masters? It's it's always it's feeling it. It's it feels more normal this year. I'm 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 looking forward to it. This is going to be a different year now with the live guys coming back. What are you expecting of this year? Ooh, um, I'm hoping we don't hear as much PGA versus live as, as will happen. Yeah. Um, I, I just think you should recognize that these players have qualified in some way to play in the masters and that's fine. They go at it this way. Um, I'm expecting, you know, 13 Rory said he played it twice in practice rounds and hit five iron in. So, you know, but there's they... video Jack hitting five irons in too. Like, it's is it yeah. really that different? Well, his five iron was a seven iron, really, when you look at it from a loft okay. perspective and different ball, whatever. <laughs> yes, but, there is a um, <laughs> I, I would I, I would expect a great level of you know what? Here's the thing: the biggest thing I would expect is that you know, we're gonna see some young talent just like every year show up, play well, find themselves on a different level of stage add their names to the top level of the game because of how they're doing and, and they're playing well. And I mean, look at the quality of the play that's going on right now with Rory or Scotty or whatever. But even if we look at like Canadian rookies, like Adam Svensson's going to play his first, right? Yeah, that's exciting. And, yeah. and that's always good to see. And, you know, here's a kid who can make a name for himself. You know, he's obviously proven he could win on the tour. Um, I think just as, just as every year, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun to watch. I still, I still long, obviously, for the days where, you know, maybe birdies and eagles decide more things than bogeys. Um, lowest score will always win, but I certainly liked. I, I have no problem seeing somebody throw thirty up on the back nine. No, know? I, I want to see that. You know, no. because it it's it doesn't to me that's not a that's not a um, that's not a scar on the golf course. That that's showing me that that player is playing with great skill. And I think that gets lost when all of a sudden a lot of birdies and eagles happens that people are like, Oh, well, you know, the golf course is whatever. It's not a, it's not a, 
you know, it's not a statement on the golf course. The other thing we watch golf to, to see excitement, right. And excitement is lead changes, right? Yeah. What's more exciting seeing Rory say, be tied for the lead and hit, make a birdie or seeing Rory be tied for the lead and make a bogey. Like you're going to be yelling. You're not going to, you, yeah. you don't cheat. It's golf's not a game of cheering for mm. mistakes. Right. So right. that's when my thing is like, I want to see more birdies. Like let's go back and forth at the end of the day. We're, we're talking about so, an So think about product. that. How many, yeah. How many, how many people make bogeys and how many people are capable of making birdies? So what happens at a higher percentage? So oh. the birdie obviously and the birdie and the Eagle are the rarer events. Mm -hmm. right so yeah we're gonna cheer for more for that i mean yeah i'm sure there was some people cheering when molinari dunked it in the water and tiger would go on that, okay well that that's, one, that's a that. totally different circumstance <laughs> as far as yeah. what's happening there and how history is playing out so um i'd love to see i'd still love to see somebody shoot 59 in augusta it wouldn't cool. it wouldn't bother me no that'd be cool i'd be so that, that would be amazing to see you know so Who's your pick this year? Thinking this far out, we're gonna do a full Masters pod next week, but yeah. I'm sure you will on on the Flagstick podcast as well. Yeah, we're gonna talk about it a fair bit. I don't know if we're gonna full out do picks or not or whatever, but um, you know, and and it's easy just to you know to go to Scotty, right? Yeah. It's it's easy to go back to the you know the most recent champion, and you know, despite that four putt on 18, I don't know, maybe it shook his confidence, um, but. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm there's a difference between favorite and cheering for, um, you know, as a journalist, obviously, I don't cheer for it. But no. I hope that, you know, I hope that Rory obviously does what he needs to do um, to, you know, complete that Grand Slam uh, and to get that done. And I think he's got the tools to do it this year. Um, but I also think we're we're going to see somebody that we do not expect be raised. I was gonna say mix. there's a yeah. dark horse who's who's your dark horse pick that you think could be in the mix this year. Yeah, it's hard to see it. If somebody's qualified for the masters, are they really a dark horse? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Um and I still think Cam Smith's gonna win one of these. Oh. I still think he is. I'm not gonna put it as a dark horse, but he's no. you know, you know, you know, but people I, you, I think people forgot like a lot of casual golf fans are like, oh yeah, Cam Smith's here. Yeah, and, and you look at you know a, a guy like DJ who's only played 22 tournament rounds in the last whatever 10 months or whatever the case. It's rusty. He, he could be rusty or whatever. It doesn't make him a dark horse, or whatever. I, I I think, and it's really hard to bet on a rookie. I mean, that's the one the one thing. Um, but I would not be shocked to see Mackenzie Hughes do something special. The putter. The putter will the putter. bring him into the exactly. game. Exactly. And that's that's where it's at. You got a guy right now that you know is striking the ball well, but his putter is hotter than hot. And you know, I guess that's that's where Sam Burns is really gaining a lot right now. But I'm not sure 100 percent of Sam Burns' ball striking is as good but i think what mac is doing right now i think is is really really special so i, I think he could be a, a little bit of a dark horse there's a guy that finished t6 last year and as a rookie finished second in 2021 do you think uh do you think it, just knowing that do you think you know that seems like they'd have some success leading into there you'd say right You'd think so. <laughs> but... what, if, what if I told you that was Will Zalatoris? How comfortable or confident are you? I, 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 I would not. I would not be. Um, I'd be more. I'd be more comfortable taking the player one up on the leaderboard from him, who is really feeling it going into the year in Morikawa. Zalatoris, uh, you know what? He would have to hit every ball really, really close, <laughs> like really, really close. And I'm not sure that you can do that for four straight days at Augusta National. How, I, might, how, I may eat my words. How but... do you fix that as a coach? Like, I'm sure, obviously, you know, I, I think you're a great coach, but yeah. are you the best in the world? Probably no. not in the sense no. of he can have anybody he wants mm -hmm. and it hasn't been fixed. But say yeah. it's come, a student comes to you with that putting stroke, that figure mm -hmm. eight, snap it off the toe putting stroke. Like, yeah, what do you I, do? I think in a lot of cases when when players are having uh, difficulty one you know is it functional obviously it's functional to a certain point um you know you have to look 
beyond just the highlights that you see and you have to determine how functional it actually has been. But I think the biggest thing for a lot of players when they have psychological issues is a lot of them are built in or manifested in physical things where they don't have the intent that they want or they don't feel the confidence in the intent. So if you get a player that believes in themselves because they have the intent of what they want to accomplish, intent is leads everything else. And if they're feeling confident with the intention that their mechanics are solid, that fixes a lot of it right there. Obviously, he's got a lot of self-doubt right now, or at least it seems that way. Um, but I would have to break down and look at his actual stats versus the few dodgy looking things that we see. I mean, back in the day, everybody hated Billy Mayfair's stroke, but it got it done, you know. So, fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, one more guy I want to mention. Sure. He's he's won it three times, and he's only missed the cut here three times. One of them is probably much more likely to happen this week. Phil Nick Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, Nick's coming back out actually. Do you, does Phil make the cut this week? This next this Masters. Sorry, I don't think so. I, I think if you look at what he's done uh, in the live league, um, he's playing terrible. Like seriously, Horrible. he's it's playing terrible. And what a horrible like, return on investment from their part. Yeah, I have <laughs> Just... I have very very low expectations for it. So um, you'll have to check out uh, Brad Kozak's interview on uh, where's that bar cart. He did a Brad. I don't know if you met Brad before, but you know more, more guy that's involved with travel and stuff like that. But he went to the last event in tucson and he's got quite the insight okay what, now, what brad's it was my like. guy yeah he's a you very a trip up to arizona yeah, you, you exactly call brad, he'll yeah. get you where you need to go yeah he's a very honest guy with his opinion so it was very interested to hear what he wanted it to be and what maybe it turned out to be um but anyways yeah i i don't have a lot of expectations for for phil um based on his play and and, and it's just unfortunate really i mean you know here's a guy that we talked about a lot you know, especially after he won his PGA championship. And a lot of people said, man, this guy's, you know, even though you wrote him off and he still won. But no, I always said he he would win another Masters. I absolutely wrote him. I think I had him to miss the cut. I had horrible yeah. takes on him. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, I, I expect not much from him. And, and you know, I know it's going to be, it's probably going to be an uncomfortable week for some of those guys, uh, rightly so, within that, that fraternity. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, you know, but I'm not saying they're, you know, they're all going to play terrible. You know, there's definitely going to be some that are going to have some success there as they have had in the past. I just don't think Phil's going to be one of them. Really fair. Well, we'll we've been writing scripts on this podcast and we'll, we'll end it with this before we get you out of here. Sure. Quickly, if you're writing the script for the PGA Tour, mm. what's what's the, the ending they want to write? The ending they want to write is the fact that they're doing enough right now that some other tour is going to disappear and the, they're going to be the ones making the decision, you know, whether any of those players get a chance to come back and we'll get to see whether it's permanent or not, especially for some of those younger guys. Um, and I'm suspecting based on some talking with some of the other players that, you know, they're not going to be welcome. So, Yeah. And for the Masters, if they're writing a script, oh, I, I'd say you know it's it's Scheffler and Rory, you know, head to head, um, you know, Rom's in the mix too. Those three that are you know they're going neck and neck with basically uh, you know one hole to play uh, on Sunday, and and who knows, maybe we end up with a three way playoff with those. And then the fact that the PGA Tour for the PGA Tour side of it, um, that you know, barely any of the live guys are in the top twenty. And and what's what's worst case scenario? I think worst case scenario. Uh, I guess Patrick Reed wins again. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess I guess it's 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 how you uh, how you take it, you know, and, and what perspective you have on it. I mean, if the player plays the best, fine. They deserve they deserve to win. I can't take that away from them. Uh, whether you have personal feelings against them or not, uh, I th I think. I think it would be really interesting to all of a sudden see a player from the live league win the championship, win the masters. And then the very next week say, you know what? I want to come back. And, <laughs> and what does the tour do then? That would be interesting. And that's what I've been thinking too. I thought about it. I was walking my dog today. Like 
Are they really going to say no to a Brooks Kepka publicly saying he wants to come back or a Dustin Johnson? Well, I think Brooke, I think I Brooks or DJ might be a little bit different just because they're a little bit further along in their career a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, Brooks really, I mean, obviously he's been hurt, so he hasn't really put up much as far as pl- high level of play. But if a guy like Cam Smith, who you know won the players, won the Open last year, all of a sudden wins the Masters, and then says, hey, I'd love to come back. That's when we really come down to, you know, a big decision more than anything. We'll look back on this 10 years from now and maybe we'll have, we'll have a lot of stories to go over. Before we wrap it up, Scott, where can people find you uh, for Flagstick? Uh, Flagstick.com is obviously the home base. Everybody can find us there. Uh, we've got our newsletter that people can get a few times a week if they want. Uh, at Flagstick on Twitter. You can catch it the same as Flagstick Golf on Instagram um yeah you know what get at get at me whatever you're whatever you're looking for equipment travel whatever i like to talk golf as you know and uh look forward to uh hearing from some of the golf friends audience yeah and what about uh i know you got a busy calendar but if somebody's looking to get a a lesson in looking to get some of this advice that they just saw from from matt but in person where where can they find you to, to potentially get a lesson in yeah, uh, pretty busy as far as that calendar. I don't have a lot of spaces uh, this year coming up, but uh, you know you can usually run me down on the left side of the range at Amherstview or a, a little bit at uh, Smuggler's Glen this year as well. So, and can they find you on Instagram or Twitter for that as well? Yeah, Scott Mac uh, PGA is uh, where you can find me for uh, my Facebook and Sp- Scott Mac Golf with one T is where you can find me at uh, Instagram. Cool. Well, we appreciate it. It's a uh... It's it was fun to get yeah, the band back, back together again, and maybe we'll we'll give me a call. I'll hop on over yours, throw some <laughs> sure. hot takes your way sometime. But we appreciate you coming on. I have to get rid of that Leafs thing behind you, though. So well, at least uh, <laughs> one of our teams is making the playoffs this year. So we don't need... <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> well, enough. Thanks for being thanks, a friend, Stephen. man. Thanks. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant And if you threw a party and invited everyone you knew You would see the biggest gift would be for me And the card attached would say thank you for being a friend